You are listening to Mighty Filmmakers Podcast, focusing on independent filmmaking. Welcome your host, Azatur's Kame. Hello, Mighty Filmmakers. It's been it's been for ages since uh, since we streamed live, and especially me, actually, and since I've seen you, and since our last coffee shop film talk in London, in Brighton, in Guernsey, in Riga. So, so time flies pretty fast, but I'm happy to be back, and uh, I'm happy to see that you are here. We're moving a lot of stuff to Facebook now, and uh, we are doing some live streams, and uh, filmmakers, just like you and me, uh, we want to invite you to join us, join our platform, and, and, and join our Facebook page. And, and at the moment, we already had this week uh, uh, Stephanie, and Stephanie was talking about screenwriting. Uh, Stephanie's show is called Get It Right, and it's mainly focusing on uh, screenwriting, and Stephanie's a, a writer from LA, and you can join her streams. Uh, I think it's going to be roughly twice a month, probably, but uh, check it out, follow her on our page, and, and you'll you'll be able to see when she's going live basically uh, we have alexander hewittson as well talking about sound uh, which was uh, quite exciting as well uh, talking about voiceover alex's show is voiceover called voiceover chat so you can join that uh what else what else coffee shop film talk coffee shop film talk that's something we've been doing for ages and uh, we met face to face and uh, very soon uh we're gonna we're gonna change it and uh we're changing it to un un unfortunately but maybe not unfortunately maybe maybe it's even better because you'll be able to attend coffee shop film talks uh, from the comfort of your home on your sofa you know and 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 have a chat to other filmmakers so we next week we're having our first online networking event as well and of course, if you want to find out more about all that, just go to mightyfilmmakers.com and join our page, our social network, and, and we can chat there anytime. So uh, that kind of brings me to uh, today's topic. And the uh, topic is quite interesting, especially in, in the situation we're all in right now at the moment. And it's uh, stock footage. And I have a guest, and, uh, and our guest is Fefe. And uh, let's bring him in. Hello, man. Hey guys! Hi! Thanks for having me. How how are you doing today? All good. Fantastic. It's a little bit rainy over here in Hungary, but uh, I'm happy and excited to be here. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know what? Uh, tell us a little bit uh, about um, tell us about a little bit about yourself. So, what is your background actually, and how did you end up in uh, in stock videography? Yeah. Um, it's a it's a it's a long story. I'll try to keep it short. But basically what happened, I'm from Hungary originally, and uh, after finishing high school, I went to uh, university in Denmark, and I finished uh, uh, innovation and entrepreneurship <laughs> degree, professional bachelor, and then I decided to go traveling with my fiance. She was all about, you know, always traveling, traveling, but we were, we were having work, and we were having school, and we are just taking so much time. And me coming from this academic background, I, 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 I couldn't help but think about how we spend all that money on traveling in Asia and not having any return on our investment, you know? So I started thinking like, how could we uh, make money or at least not spend that much money while we travel? Mm. And uh, we decided to get a drone and a, and a, and a Canon 200D, like a very basic camera gear. We actually got a DJI Mavic Air and, um, and we started filming and we started taking photos and then Basically, through that, I came across stock footage. Not even stock photography at the time, just stock footage. And uh, there was, you know, it was something, something very, very uh, tempting 
in this that we just travel we take a lot of videos uh we upload them and we make money while we sleep i mean that mm. was like the dream you know so I, I did not know anything about stock it's I important to say that i know there are a lot of more people probably way more experienced than i have uh, in in filmmaking or i had at least um and i didn't know anything about filmmaking i didn't know anything about videography i had some background i was working in the in the hungarian public tv for as a presenter for two three years but i had nothing to do with cameras you know Hmm. And so, and so I started learning about how the camera works, how the drone works, and we primarily actually started uploading drone footage. We went to ten countries in eight months, and you know we had a ton of material, uh, flying on beaches and mountains and 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 jungle and whatnot. And so we started uploading that, and I was like, okay, let's give it a shot because we cannot lose anything. And basically, what happened is that we started. Through this videography, we started working with hotels, and they gave us free stays. And so that's how we managed to travel all around. So we took videos and photos for them, and they uh, and they gave free accommodation and food and all that in exchange. And at the same time, we created. When we came back, we had 3.5 terabytes of footage, uh, only you know waiting to be uploaded for stock. And uh, and so we started uploading that, and when we when we've seen after the first 500 to 1,000 clip, that money started coming in. You know, it wasn't big money; it was like 50, 60 dollars a month, few sales, but but it was working. You know, so we've seen that it's not just something that people talk about a lot. That oh, we make money while we sleep. It is real. And and when that realized in the first one or two months uh, in our travel, we started going crazy. So every morning I went out golden hour, recorded the beaches where we were, people coming in from fishing, and you know basically anything that you can imagine. Did you? And did, then yeah, that's how. Did you actually manage to travel as well and enjoy the places you went to, or you just shot for twenty four hours a day? <laughs> No, yeah. So this was a big, big question when we went traveling because people said, you know, you will not live in a moment if you always shoot. And I can tell you that that I couldn't disagree more because uh, after a few months of shooting, really focusing on you know getting the nice shots, but of course focusing on traveling and enjoying it, we started we started with my fiance. We started talking about, oh, do you see that that leaf with that drain you know like drop of rain on how the light coming through and you start seeing things in a different perspective when you start shooting uh, everyday things and that way the world is actually opening up and you eventually see more than you would see if you would not shoot because you're looking for the opportunities even if you don't know it you're looking for the opportunities what you could shoot while you travel and then and then you just start seeing things that other people don't. So up, absolutely, absolutely. So how does uh, how does your day-to-day -day life looks like at the moment? So I, I guess when you traveled, you were thinking about shooting every day and kind of gathering footage. So probably this is what you see every day now. You walk on the street and and, and you see something and you and you think, oh, you know what? I need to film that because I can sell it. How does how does that kind of how did that impact your day-to-day -day life? You know, it's a, such a good question, actually. Um, the, the the thing about uh, traveling that when when we travel, there is something new every single day. And I was I was you know thinking whether it will be when we come back, whether it will be the same that we'll have something new every day. But this uh, lookout for footage, and I'm I'm not saying it in a way you know like you're always on the spot, like what can I shoot now? It's just that we carry our cameras everywhere 
literally everywhere. Uh, I call this uh, a random stock footage shooting that you, you're not, we shoot in a studio as well and we hire models and all that. But when you have your camera with me, when, when I have a camera with me, I come across things that are not easy to shoot. And no matter how big cinematographer you are or anybody else, they simply cannot, uh, you know, like manage different aspects. For example, you can't set the clouds. And if the clouds has a specific formation, you're the only one who can shoot that. There is nobody else who can go like, okay, I'll just do the clouds move that way. So, so yeah, so actually it changed how we live, how we look at things, how we perceive the world around us. Uh, we have our cameras with us all the time. That does not mean that we have it in our hands and whatever, but it's in the car. Wherever we go, we have it. We A lot of times we just stop by and just take a time lapse or when a mountain, you know, last time I've seen like a little hill and the cloud just stopped right on the top of the of the hill. And, you know, these are the things that you can't really get all the time. So we just stopped by, we take, took a time lapse, you know, as the cloud just slowly moving off of the mountain. And, um, yeah, it definitely changes. But about everyday life, when we came back, this journey, this uh, stock footage journey led to to a production company that we run today. And we work with clients not only on producing content, but also on figuring out content and trying to uh, to help them understand how they mm. can create better uh, appearance on, on, on social media and an online presence. That kind of brings me to the question uh, of the projects you're working on at the moment, basically. Uh, is there anything specifically to related to stock footage and selling stock footage? What are you working yeah, on? So yeah, yeah. So, so basically, ob obviously, we're selling stock footage, and every day we are producing content. So we're sitting in our office and and uh, and uh, cutting the footage that we have, planning shoots, all that. And because this uh, this coronavirus came in, and because I found myself in a situation at the beginning where I could not figure out how to start things, we started a, a, an online course called uh, Step by Step Guide to Selling Stock Footage in 2020 and Forward. And the reason why we started that course was because when we started out, uh, it was devastating. It really was. And it's not just the marketing. When you will watch the trailer of that uh, course, it's on Udemy, uh, you will see that, that I'm saying it in the course that when we got started, it was devastating. And it's not because uh, we did not understand the concept of stock footage. It's because there are so many factors going into it. When you start producing stock footage and, and, and you have to hear me out here, everybody who's watching, it's not that you should not just turn this off and not start it because it's too difficult. It, it, it is learnable, but it was, it was difficult to get started because you not only have to understand you know, what is stock footage? You have to understand what agencies you have to upload to. How do you find agencies that use your work properly and price your uh, your work properly? You have to find out how you can tag your, so it's there is some SEO, search engine optimization going on here that you have to understand and you have to be involved. Then you have uh, the actual shoot production. You have to know how to use your gear properly. You have to understand how you can get the shoots done that you're planning on, how to plan a shoot. Then you have to understand how to edit a footage that clients will need. So there are so many factors going into that even professional filmmakers who make films or videos for a living did not know how to start. And so that's why we created a, a, an online course uh, that grabs people by the hand and literally guides you through 
everything there is to know about stock footage. And you know the the, the most powerful thing in 21st century is this little thing that you have mm. everybody in their pocket. And you can we literally sell clips recorded on an iPhone randomly, and even of cats. You know, uh, like, you know what? And this so, is so, this is my next question actually. <laughs> and my yeah. question is how does uh, how does your camera equipment affect the sales, or does it affect your sales at all, or or it doesn't? Yeah, you know. Um, so, so to round out what I was saying is connected to this is that you can start producing stock footage anytime, at any point. You just need the information because we all have, especially who has, you know, the newer iPhones, the iPhone 11, for example, is just fantastic. You need basically nothing more. There are limitations. And I would be lying if I said that you can just go out and start shooting all random stuff on an iPhone and you will make millions. Um, but I believe that that and we've already talked about this uh, but i believe that the 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 great outcome does not necessarily depends on the gear but it depends on the one behind the gear but obviously you have limitations so if you shoot on an iphone for example the sensor of an iphone is so small that you know low light capabilities are completely unusable uh shakiness you have to understand how shaky your footage will be how distorted will it be if you just run around it, does it have stabilization so it has limitations and what i've noticed when we started shooting on a canon 200d which is a low to mid-range uh, DSLR uh, that we had limitations already. So I've seen mm. we couldn't take a night lapse, for example. We couldn't take a, a good uh, golden hour shot because it was too noisy. So, And when you have to fix it in post, that's already ruined. So there is about your gear rounding up. About gear, uh, I think it's important to have decent gear because more and more um, content is available online and the competition, the market is getting oversaturated. And what can live off of this market is quality content. So it's not about quantity, but it's about quality and gear does affect that. But but that does not mean that you are not able to use your iPhone on a great lighting environment outside in a bright sun mm, and mm. create incredible shots because we do sell uh, videos recorded on an iPhone 7, for example. Well, that's, that kind of brings me to the question of uh, how, what, what would you suggest people to do? Like if, if, if filmmakers are watching this and thinking, okay, so should I actually get into this market? As we already yeah. said, it's oversaturated, so on and on. What should I do? Should I do it or I shouldn't? And, and what would be my first step actually to to enter this yeah. business um so are we talking about filmmakers having uh, proper gear yeah uh, uh, do you know what actually it, it doesn't really matter does it just 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 anyone who really wants to sort of make that step and and start selling footage what what is yeah. the first step what was your first step and what was the logic behind it as well yeah so i'll be talking home a little bit but but it, um, again it's not a marketing uh, uh, pitch you really need to get a, a proper guidance. So if you know anybody in the industry, talk to them, meet them, ask them how they do things. We've wasted literally hundreds of YouTube videos and hours of just trying to figure out how things work. And even if you think, even now that we launched the course, people tell me like, I know how things work. And then eventually they just go like, oh, okay, I did not know that. And I did not know that. And oh, is this how this works? And so mm -hmm. the thing that you really want to do first, if you want to save time, is talk to someone 
who knows what they do, who are in this industry for a while, or take a course, or any. There are other courses out there as well. Just just go out and try to find a guidance. And a lot of people what 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 do is that they go on YouTube and they start looking at videos, and that's great. I'm not saying it's not good. But what I'm telling is that you have to watch literally hundreds of YouTube videos until you get to the point where you understand the whole picture. Because a YouTube video will talk about how to tag your clips, how to add keywords, all right? But I don't know how to use an FTP to upload my clips. Then you watch an FTP uploading and they go, okay, you just have to set up. You already have it set up on Pond5, and, but I don't have it set up. I don't know how to set up. Then you watch another video that explains how you can set up FTP. So it's an ongoing process and you waste so much time in the beginning and most importantly, even though if you can figure out these things, your clips will not be tagged correctly. Your clips, if, if and if they are not tagged correctly, they will not show online. Mm. So we had uploaded, you know, like 300 to 400 clips that I know by fact do not sell because we messed up our description, our keywords, everything. And that's why we launched the course because if someone would have told us, hey, don't do it that way because you will screw up and all your hard work is basically just waste because even though your footage is aligned and you think it's good, it's not. It's not. Mm. So what I would suggest definitely to do, talk to someone who is in this for a while and knows what he or she is talking about. What is the biggest mistake you've kind of seen in terms of tagging? Um, I don't know if that's the biggest one, but I what I noticed after time, two things. Number one is description length. Um, a lot of people, even today, even people who I've worked with uh, through different platforms as creators, um, say that uh, take a clip, write a description. Say, for example, we have a clip: um, a, a couple having a romantic dinner in a restaurant. Yeah, so. They start tagging it, saying a middle-aged woman with a middle-aged man sitting at a, a fancy restaurant eating a beef steak at 9 p.m. with candle lights on the table, you know? And, like, nobody will search for that. Nobody will search for that. What people will search is romantic dinner. They don't care if it's a middle-aged woman or an old woman or, you know, it's a – maybe they will, but a couple – so how I would tag this clip is, for example, a couple sitting or maybe an elderly couple – having a romantic dinner. That's it. You don't need to put everything in the description because nobody cares. People won't search for that. And that goes to the keywords as well, tagging. So people want to include everything. So for example, if we stick with this example and they are having a romantic dinner, people will add keywords like candlelight and candle and fork and knife and plate. And that's just not relevant. So. The biggest mistake, and, and that actually affects your, your mm. SEO ranking. So if people search for candlelight and your clip shows up and they click on it and they don't buy, you're getting uh, – several times this is happening, the, the search engine will rank your clips lower because the tagging is not correct. So you really need to stick with the tagging that, that – there are a lot of more things going into this, but, but you really have to pay attention how you tag your clips, and it should be relevant. So if a couple mm. having a romantic dinner, you should say romantic. You should say couple. You should say lovely, or you should say you know cozy, or you should say dinner. But you should not say old woman, for example, you know, because it's not relevant. What is relevant is that it's an elderly couple. Mm. So um, 
stick to the relevance of the keywords and don't use if you don't have to don't use 49 keywords just because there are 49 possibilities use 10 but that 10 should be perfect what about what about keywords in general should we think about like uh, sentences or should it be a couple of words or should it be just each keyword a single a uh, single word What's the you know, it's actually a good question. Uh, in a course, there is someone. There was someone asking about this actually. That do do we use uh, multi-word keywords or or not? Uh, it really depends on. It, it, I would say it's basic logic. So, if for example, I use, let's stick with an example here. I, I will try to improvise, but uh, stick with an example here with romantic dinner. Yeah. So if I say, for example, uh, a dinner table. For example, dinner table. If I write dinner and I write table two, in two separate words, then will it make sense? If I write table, will that actually describe my clip? And mm -hmm. if I'm thinking about a romantic couple having a dinner at a restaurant, I don't think table is really relevant. Uh, I would imagine table as you know an empty table or filled table with uh, the, the, the the camera is focusing on a beautiful wood table or whatever. Then table would be relevant. So in this case, I would include dinner table because dinner table can be relevant because they are having a dinner. Uh, I'm not sure if the example is pretty mm, accurate, mm. but 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 I think multi keyword uh, multi multi word keywording makes sense if if uh, if the words separately do not represent the clip only together for example a good i, I think uh, maybe another example that will help here is golden hour so if you're shooting golden hour you know golden hour is one hour before mm -hmm. and one hour after sunset and and and, and sunrise and uh, that's a very great time to shoot because the sun is setting at that direction and so if you shoot in golden hour you might want to no matter what the topic is, you might want to include golden hour because people might search for golden hour. But if you write golden and you write hour, you ruin your keywords because it don't make sense. It's not golden. Golden is a watch. Golden is a statue. Golden is a, something else. Hour is something when you see a clock running fast or, you know, like something, mm -hmm. some, a big, big band is hitting 12 o'clock. But hour does not represent your golden hour shot of the landscape. So in this case also, golden hour as a multi-word keyword makes sense where golden and hour does not. Hmm. The other thing is like obviously before we keywords is a, is a such an interesting topic to be honest because uh, there's so much you can do and there's uh, and those rules are changing constantly you know with social media developing some some new kind of uh, systems as well and it's just developing constantly and the other question to this actually is uh, we're talking about golden hour if we write golden hour and then we have separately uh, keyword golden would that make sense or would it harm the uh, would it harm it basically the search uh, in my honest opinion it would harm it mm -hmm. I would not I would not do it because if I'm and also very important and and that's also may, maybe going back to your previous question of what I messed up in the beginning what the biggest mistake is that people think um, with their minds you have to think with the buyer minds mm -hmm. because you're not the one buying the clip, you're the one selling the clip, and maybe it's obvious for you that it's a table, a dinner table, and you write table, but you have to think what will, the one who buys this clip, what will they search for? If I have a landscape shot at golden hour, if I write golden, will someone searching for golden buy a landscape clip? Hmm. Nah, I don't really think so. They'll search for something rich something wealthy you know again a watch a car whatever with golden plates and um so you have to think with the buyer's mind and if if you say 
would people search for a dinner table if they want to buy my clip? Sure. Would they search for a couple at a, a couple? Sure. Would they search for romantic? Sure. Would they search for, you know, like table? Hmm. Nah, I don't think so. That's the same with Golden Hour. So I think it would harm eventually, yeah. I think tagging was uh, destroyed by Instagram, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's the reason why now there's so many kind of misconceptions about about how do you yeah. tag? What do you do, Absolutely. actually? What do you write? Is it a description or or it's not? Or, or you find every single possible word you can use. Well, okay. What about market situation at the moment? Do you Do you think it's lucrative business? Yeah, again, good question, a good timing. Um, I don't know uh, if uh, you've heard about, probably have heard about the Shutterstock coming out with a new model. That's the biggest buzz in the industry now. Um, okay, so let's take this question separately. Do I think it's lucrative? Yes, I do. Uh, do I think you need to work hard to make a living? Yes, I do. Do I think um, that not quality content sells? No, I don't. Um, if you really want to make... My calculation is that off of 1,000 unique clip, you can make about $1 per, so in a year time, you can make about $1, one to one and a half dollars per clip per year, if your work is quality. That's what I think. That's a basic calculation that worked out really well with someone who has only 100 clips mm -hmm. online and has 38,000 clips online that you can really, the, the, the numbers that you can calculate with is that one to one and a half dollars per year per clip. Um, so if you, you know it's a numbers game. If you upload 10,000 clips, that's $10,000 a, a, a year. And again, people will say, oh, 10,000, that's that's not much. But if you think about it, a thousand bucks a month for, you know, basically for whatever, that's great. That's yeah. not that's not something to just uh, slip by, let's slip by. So, but, and then moving on a little bit to Shutterstock and the new earnings model, uh, Basically, very shortly, what happened is that that you get a percentage of the sale, which is already ridiculous in my honest opinion, because when you put in the hard work and you get 40% of your work, that's not really the best uh, uh, best ratio that you could get. But that's what it is. I always say, you know, you, you, you have to decide, are you in or are you out, no matter if it's stock footage or anything else. If you're in, don't complain, just do do what it takes and, and just get it by. If not, then don't complain, just just be left out and that's all right as well. So what happened now is that uh, Shutterstock had a 30% uh, commission for your clips and now they introduced this tire model where depending on your sales per year, you will your percentage of, of, of the sale changes, your commission changes. So if you sell 250 clips, you will earn 30% in a year. Now, to sell 250 clips, that's that's already a decent amount of um, that's already a decent amount of clips online. Uh, because what I always say, you you basically gonna sell again. We talk about quality work, and mm. just to clarify, I'm not talking about shooting a, a red dragon. Uh, you shooting with a red red dragon, and that's quality. I'm not talking. It's not that we shoot with a GH5, but we sell a lot of clips. What we shot with the Canon 200D. Um, when I say quality, it's the execution, it's the mm -hmm. topic, you know what you're shooting. It's not that you have a $50,000 camera and then you shoot. It's, it's rather about the topic you're shooting and in the way you're shooting and in the light you use and, and all that. So if you have kind of quality uh, content, then I think you would sell about 5 to 10 to 15% of your, your uploaded clips. So to sell 250 clips in one year, you will need at least 2,500 clips, which which will only bring you to the point what you will earn that you've earned before. So if you sell 250 clips, then you start earning 30%. So anyhow, I think it's lucrative. Uh, and I think that 
after t- I, I I don't think that the business model of Shutterstock will ever play out well. I think they'll go down uh, if if they continue that way. We've seen that in Storyblocks and other platforms before. Um, I think I think they will not survive if they continue that way. And there is a lot of uh, if you just check out you know uh, the Instagram account of Shutterstock and you scroll down on the comments, they just People are just going nuts <laughs> over it. Um, this zero point one, so ten mm. cents on a clip. Um, but yeah, I think it's lucrative. You just have to work hard. How do you um, uh, how do you define which platforms you specifically maybe use, and what should people look into basically? Yeah, uh, it's also a topic that is uh, people make a lot of mistakes in that. There are three major platforms to go to. It's not just my opinion; it's general. Uh, com- common things in the industry is uh, Adobe Stock, Shutterstock, and Pond5. These are the major three platforms that people go to. And then obviously there's Vimeo Stock that's coming out. There, mm. And there are the subscription models, the Storyblocks, and and uh, all the other platforms. Uh, there is one which is coming up maybe. It's Dreams Time. Uh, they announced that they will increase... Uh, the commission of the uh, contributors by 10% when Shutterstock decreased there. So it's a competition going mm-hmm. on. Um, but I think the most important when you choose it, whatever platform you choose, you have to be aware of what your footage is selling for and what you're getting out of it. So most important is to look into the uh, the contributor agreement, understand what's your cut. Do you have to be exclusive with that meaning? You, if you upload your clips there, you cannot upload anywhere else. Uh, is your for example, for on Dreams Time, you can sell the rights to your footage. So that means that if you upload a clip, somebody can somebody can buy the clip itself. So you don't own the ownership. So you have to be aware of, of all these kind of things. And at the same time, you have to be aware of the communication of the platform, how well uh, the community uh, rating this platform. Go on Facebook, try to try to see the forums, what people say about the platform and how it works. What I usually do is that now it's a question about Shutterstock, whether you have to upload it. Um, uh, probably not a very popular opinion, but I think it's still worth uploading the Shutterstock. Not for now, because I'm also waiting uh, for them to change, to go back and say like, okay, we screwed up, we're just gonna go back and try to figure out something else with you. I think what would be a great great uh, way to do it actually is to, I like the tires. I think it's a great way. They could have said they will go completely uh, you know, subscription-based and then we are screwed. Uh, so I understand that they have to move and they have to follow the trends and they have to compete. And I like the tire idea. It just should not reset on every January. Mm-hmm. So if it was like, if you sold 200 clips anytime, you, your cut is 30%. Or maybe make it 1,000 clips. And if you sold 1,000 clips, the rest of your life, the cut is 30%. That will be mm-hmm. something good. But uh, so, yeah, so I think what you should do is to, uh, I think uh, we upload to all the platforms. So we upload to Shutterstock. We don't upload it to Shutterstock right now, but in general, Shutterstock, Pond5, and Adobe Stock, um, because they are well, I think, well-priced and um, and very easy to use. And people, mm. any buyer who goes, goes to Adobe, Pond5, and Shutterstock. Is it actually worth to look into any specific sort of third-party agencies or not? Or or it's better to actually do it yourself and upload separately yeah. to each platform by yourself on your own? It's uh, it's important to say that there is a platform called blackbox.global. Um, there are actually other platforms. Uh, some that serves as a, an intermediary, an agency, basically. So you submit to them and they submit further. That means that you implement a third party 
uh, and you leave it there for the rest of the time the footage is online. And there are some where you, for example, uh, so Blackbox is like that. And there are some platforms, for example, Microstock Plus or Stock Submitter, where you just pay per upload. So you pay a certain amount of money, 40 euros for 1,000 clip you upload. and But you do own the footage. It's under your name. Uh, and you, 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 you just use them one time as a, a door to upload to the agencies. You don't have to go separately. You can upload one time. Mm. Uh, to them. So you're saying Blackbox is uh, taking all the footage uh, put into one pile, call it Black, Blackbox and distribute it around to every single sort of platform. Yeah, so you touched up on the major, one of the major issues I see with Blackbox is that uh, it, it's uh, anonymous. So it's uh, your clip is running on the Blackbox's brand, which has several issues in my opinion. Before I go into that, I want to say uh, that I'm not against Blackbox. I had uh, several discussions <laughs> with Pat, the the owner of uh, Blackbox or the founder of Blackbox, and I just want to say that I'm not hating on Blackbox. I, I, I actually have been a big um, voice for Blackbox. I started out as a Blackboxer. I have 2,500 clips on Blackbox. Um, but after time, when I realized uh, and I, I started looking into the industry, and again, that's why I launched the course, because I started out with Blackbox because I did not know what I'm doing. Um, if someone wants a very easy, intuitive gateway into the industry, they have a lot of clips, they don't care about anything, they just want to submit, go to Blackbox. That's great. Mm. If you don't have any clip, but you want to create, meaning you want to add metadata for other people's clips, you can do that on Blackbox. That's great as well. Go do it. But if you want to do anything more than just submitting and making a hundred bucks a month you should go separate in my honest opinion number one as you said it's on the black boxes brand so you we had several times when people reached out and said hey we know you have a lot of a content from asia we want to buy some of that and i could not link my portfolio because i had all the clips on black box that's an issue. So you have to find your clip separately on the agencies based on, based on the name. And then it's under Blackbox's account. And then it's just a whole mess, number one. Number mm -hmm. two, uh, number two, that you do not have transparency. You do not know if your clips got online or not. You do not know why they got rejected or not rejected. You, you cannot take – Blackbox uh, is having a binding agreement with you, meaning you cannot take your clips down for 18 months. You cannot edit your clips for 18 months. So, for example, a very good example why this is a problem is uh, that let's say you had a lot of blood sample uh, footage, footage of blood sampling or something like that. You uploaded a year ago. Then coronavirus comes and your clip does not include virus because it was not relevant at that time. But now it is. So if you upload directly to the agencies, you can just go re-edit the keywords of those specific clips and, and upload it again or, or resubmit again. And now you already have repurposed your footage with the keywords and you edit coronavirus and it's already relevant for today's mm. topic. Uh, on Blackbox, you can't do that. You, it's, a, it's a once and for all option you submit once it's on there for 18 months you can't take it down you can't edit it you don't know if it, it got rejected or why it got rejected you can't resubmit it if shutterstock is throwing your clip back for noise you can just go denoise it again upload it again see what they say then on black box it's just if it's rejected you're it's there you mm. can't do nothing with it i have so, a yeah. mm, mm. that makes sense that uh, that makes sense uh i have a question from tom and tom is asking um uh, what are your thoughts on art grid? Yeah, art grid. Hmm. Uh, I don't have enough information to talk about art grid. I've been in touch with them. 
but I did not look into details. They sounded good, fairly priced. I'm not sure if you can just go and submit an art grid. Um, so I'm not I'm not entirely Probably sure about not. that. I'm not, I'm not sure uh, actually. I think I, th I think it's about uh, you have to talk to them and they, you send your clips to them and they select you and then uh, and then that's how you can start submitting to art grid. Uh, but again, it's very important that you have to understand that when when you commit to an agency, whether it is art grid, Shutterstock, Pond5, Adobe, wherever you submit, you have to understand where you submit your clips, what pricing are you going to get out, uh, how fair they are, do they require um, um, exclusivity or not, and all that. But I think uh, Artgrid, what, what they are very strong at, again, is quality. So what they want to do is they really want to put out content for even films or bigger productions with big quality uh, work. So that's what, it can be a good way to go. They have to grow. So, um, yeah. Mm. Well, that question about uh, actually branding is 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 quite interesting because uh, in this market as well, uh, it does make sense to keep your name attached to the work people buy because I guess you can get return clients uh, straight away coming right to you and knocking on your door rather than going through agencies, isn't it? So, so yeah. so so black box and and similar platforms. I'm on black box as well, and uh, and to be honest, I joined because I like the idea of uh, just being lazy. And uh, yeah. and and just going through my archives and uploading my archive footage and thinking, well, whatever. If it's gonna make any cash, it's gonna make any cash. If it doesn't, it Absolutely. doesn't. <laughs> yeah. But you know, that's but 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 a lot of people. A lot. So 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 the reason why I got into Backbox because that's the was my gateway. So I think that's the reason why I stuck around because if if I was told in the very beginning that you have to go and figure out three different agencies with taxation, all the three different agencies work differently. You tag differently. You upload differently. You use FTP one you go directly on another then you have to tech differently you have to use different releases yeah so black box uh where they really thrive and why they really got that big is because they got the the lazy part uh, uh of the things you can use one release to all the agencies you have to submit once they submit all the agencies if they do uh and if it gets online and and so it's just a very easy gateway but you pay 15 percent for all your sales for the rest of the time, uh, you don't have control over your footage. Uh, so, so it has cons and pros, and you just have to decide again. It's just like an agency. If you commit to black box, you have to fully understand what you do mm. and why you do it. Hmm. Okay, well, that's kind of a selling part of it and uh, and uh, more technical side of it. We've discussed a little bit as well, but actually, if we go into creative mode. Yeah. How do you define and how do you determine what's worth actually shooting? Good question. Um, <laughs> you know, it's really, it really, there is a, in, a, in this industry, I find it that there is a, a very big secretive thing going on about what people shoot. They don't want to share it. They just go like, oh, I made, you know, even in Black Box Group, I see people sharing what their sell was and they, you know, just blanking out the name of the footage they sold, which is understandable at one I would probably not want to uh, tell what's my best-selling clip, maybe, um, because you have to understand that it's a global industry. So there are a lot of people involved in a lot of places on the world. So if I say what I shot, maybe I shot something in Asia, people can just go out and shoot the exact same thing, and then they can make the same money. So, but but when it comes to shooting, I also talk about this in the course, which is very important. Is pre-production. We have a, a complete phase for that, uh, ideation and and how you set up a shoot. What I can say is that sh 
most important, and this will sound like crap, but it's not. It's completely true. You have to you have to understand to shoot something that you love shooting because you will spend time on that footage. You will think about it. You will find location. You will find maybe people. You will have to edit it. You will have to keyword it. And if you shoot something you don't understand, you don't like, you don't want to shoot, it will be just bad. It will be just a waste of time. So number one is try to find something that you like shooting. And when you found something you like shooting, try to identify what's the demand on the agency. Try to search for, for example, if you like shooting a cat, you know, like you have 10 cats. At Probably home not like the best idea. <laughs> yeah. So what we saw, you know, we, we, we have this club, the cat club. And, and if you sell a clip of a cat, you join the cat club. And, and, and we are in that club. So we sold a clip of a cat, which is very difficult because it's saturated. But uh, but again, like you have to understand, do you if you shoot a cat, a cat clip, you if you say I know there is a lot of cat clips online, but I want to shoot cats, then what you can the best chance you're selling is that you go to the agencies, you search for most popular clips of cats, you're writing cats, then you filter for most popular, and you see what sells the most, and. Instead of recreating that clip, which is possible as well, you can do that too, but instead of, don't copy because that's illegal and it's bad and it's just all that. So don't do the exact same clip. But it can give you an idea of what people are looking for and try to differentiate yourself from what's online. So a very good thing, and now I'm saying a big secret here so people can, uh, if you have, uh, you know, for example, a very big market I see now is this uh, Laova probe lens coming out, uh, this very macro lens looking very funny with this very thin, long, uh, whatever, and then you can just shoot things from a very, very small macro perspective. So there are not a lot of clips online. So if you can just grab that, you know, like one of that lens, 2,000 euros, so it's not cheap. Um, you can just get that, but, it, but if you can rent it or just try it out and then just do different kinds of shot with that, that can be a great idea. So try to shoot something that you like. And once you shot, when you're shooting things that you like, try to make sure that you differentiate yourself from what's already on the agencies. So you don't, you're not just going to be one from the thousands. You have to be something that's just appearing and when people search for cats they go like damn i want to buy that mm. clip because that's the best clip online should you should you actually think about the niche or 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 it's a wrong way to in the long term what do you think no, no i think it's a it also depends who you ask i think it's a great idea to, i'll be frank we do not shoot niches so we shoot everything and if we shoot niches we kind of shoot with models so we go we don't have Okay, so a lot of people will tell you, find a niche, shoot that for the for two months, and then upload your clips. That's a great idea if you find a niche that's not available yet, or it's not filled out, or it's not saturated. Um, and that can be a great way. What I like to think is is that you, if you find a niche, for example, you know, wood art, I'm just saying something, mm -hmm. and there is not much clips of that, you probably are able to create a two-day shoot and get all the clips that you really need for that niche. So it's not like you're going to shoot it for two months and every single day you're going to shoot woodwork because there's no such a then, – then your quality is poor. So um, so what I'm thinking is that you can find niche and, uh, and it's great, but you just shoot everything that you enjoy and try to set up. For example, set up a shoot with models on a business uh, environment. Then try to find a wood artist and shoot one day with her or him. And then go and try to find a candle maker and shoot one day with a candle maker. And then maybe a good idea to give the footage in exchange for them signing the release. And then you have the shot for free. 
and they can use the footages in exchange. Uh, but what is also interesting is that when, when, when we talk about niches is that try to find things that's, that is available for you. So for example, hmm. if you are uh, a diver, you know, don't start shooting a mountain climb because that's not where you are. So if you're a diver, look around what you can shoot that's right at you. If you have a very old grandmother or a newborn baby, start shooting that niche because you have everything available. I don't have a baby, unfortunately, yet, but uh, <laughs> but if I but, but if I will have a baby, I'll shoot the baby because baby's there. I can take a lot of videos with the baby. For me, now someone who's not a father, going out, finding a baby, getting the mother to sign the releases, <laughs> paying the mother, that takes a lot of time and effort and I have to count when the baby's sleeping and when not, da, 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 da. So try to focus on something that's available for you and then try to find the, the, the demand and try to find what's missing on agencies and go that direction. I think uh, um, we're talking about collaboration now and, and you mentioned already your possibilities, models and, and working with models. So I have a question on that actually. Um, how do you set up collaboration with a model? Do you buy out? Do you offer some cut from the profit or profit share? Or how, how do you look at that collaboration process basically? Yeah. Um really depends on where you live in the world yeah so if it's for example in uh, in even in countries like hungary i would say but rather asia and 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 uh, these less developed countries you can get models beautiful models and well-acting models models for you know a fraction of a cost that you can get in the states for example in the uk or in denmark or um so what i Sometimes I okay. So again, on Blackbox you have the feature of being able to give shares to a footage. If I shoot with a model and I say, "Hey, you're gonna get a cut after I sell a clip," she has no trust in me. You know, like she will say, "How do I know you have sold a clip?" So that's again where Blackbox is 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 a very good uh, alternative because you can assign a cut of a specific clip to a model, and when a clip is sold, Blackbox's system simply divides the, 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 the revenue, and that's a great way to go. Besides that, what I usually do, or what we usually do, is that we either offer the course for, uh, offer the course, offer the the footage for for an exchange. So, for example, we shoot with a with a yoga teacher, and we say, "Hey, you're gonna get the footage uh, for free." So we'll create some professional-looking footage of you. You will get a short promo, maybe we'll cut it together, and in exchange, you will give us the right to distribute the footage for our own needs, and we we can get all the revenue. And most of the time, they are actually happy about this because you know they don't have to spend spend a thousand, uh, one and a half thousand euros on a promo film they can mm -hmm. just simply hire um, hire us or make a collaboration with us and they get all the footage and in exchange we get that so it really depends on and and, and what I would really do say is that don't Maybe Uncle Sam is a very great way to go about, uh, you know, models, but Uncle Sam might not be the best person to act. And if your actors are not uh, authentic, then it's not worth shooting, really. Hmm. So you either have to shoot, some, for example, uh, we sometimes do play board games at home. And then when we play board games, we just put up the camera and it's it's a natural reaction. 
to a board game. So that's great because even though they are not actors, we are recording some some authentic emotion coming out from a game. And because they are family, they will just say either, hey, we trust you, just give us 20% of the sale or whatever, or they just go like, hey, be happy with it, I don't mind. So, uh, so, but we usually, when we work with professional models, I think the clearest and simplest way is to pay them out. Say, hey, how much is your hour rate? We will go for four-hour shoot. Uh, we pay you uh, the rate, and then uh, we just use the footage. And they, most of the time, this is what they prefer as well. That's what mm. I found, at least. Mm. Okay. Well, then I guess uh, um, my next question is: What do you, uh, to kind of uh, uh, finalize our conversation slowly? Uh, is uh, what makes your work to stand out? What are the elements you think? Uh, st- uh, stock footage wise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, uh, honestly, you know, uh, we have a very good friend and she taught us a lot about uh, photography back then. And uh, she said that the basic concept of photography and videography, even people who actually do videography don't know some of it is painting with light so what you do is you paint with light and that's powerful so if you start thinking about what what the hell does that mean painting with light uh, it means that if you don't have great lighting um, you don't have anything um, so you can have the shittiest camera um, but if but but with great lights and you can still create some amazing footage or you can have a red dragon with no light and it will look very bad uh, so what I think really stands out is is um, there are two ways you can stand out in my honest opinion. Number one is that you you execute well, you plan and execute well a shoot, meaning you include lights, great models, good location, uh, well you know a stabilizer, well executed uh, shots, planned and executed shots. And when I say planned and executed, I'm talking about also the pre-production phase where you identify what what niches are missing, what clips are missing, how I can be different than what's on the agencies already. Is the market saturated or there's demand? So everything involving that. And the other one you can stand out is if you shoot randomly, we call this in the course the random stock footage production, we have an episode on that, is that if you shoot randomly and you can capture things that nobody else can. So... If you have a clip where, for example, an accident or, or, for example, these protests, for example, it's editorial content. It's horrible what's going on in the States. But it's an opportunity for a stock footage producer to go out and capture footage that's not going to be able to be captured in the next whatever, how many, hopefully never again. But, 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 but uh, you know, these protests are now. And there are these periods when, for example, there is a famous uh, president integration. For example, you can't go out and just just uh, shoot that again and again and again. It's unique. So how you can stand out is that you shoot unique content and not only staged unique content, but also randomly when you have an opportunity, you grasp it. A, an accident, uh, uh, whatever, cloud on on a hill. Uh, or anything that happens once and it's not easy to reproduce. You you just mentioned editorial, actually. I'm wondering, have you noticed, um, uh, in terms of sales, what sells better in your experience? Editorial footage or, or full-on licensed? Yeah, so uh, interesting question. I've noticed that even editorial footage, we've actually one of the biggest... Uh, uh, 
what what I'm very proud of is that Queen came out with the You Are the Champions uh, uh, video clip that was a fundraiser for the COVID-19 uh, ambulance stuff and medic medic stuff. And we actually have one of our clips uh, in that video clip. They already seen it like six million plus. Uh, and that's a, that's an ambulance car. You see, for example, this is also sorry. I, I will actually answer your question, but this is also a very good example. This is an opportunity that we took. There are these ambulance cars with full, full, you know, these uh, haphazard masks and and wide glasses and gloves and 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 everything. And we went out and we stood at the at the ambulance station in front of the ambulance station for five hours just to capture five ambulance cars car that were coming by. And one of these clips sold already like seven times in the past one and a half months. And this is something that you will not be able to capture again. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. this is now. So if you capture it now, you captured it. Otherwise, the chances that you will hire an ambulance car with an ambulance stuff and you will be able to use that footage that's close to zero. So and we sold these clips. So and these are editorial clips, uh, obviously, because there are people and there are recognizable uh, uh, people and and, and uh, number on the car and, and all that. But what sells best is is. Um, I think it really depends on what you sell, uh, what you upload, because when we uploaded, we started out with, with drone footage because we thought that was the way to go. And we uploaded like 1,500 drone shots before we uploaded anything from, from the ground, so with a normal camera. And I'm actually pretty surprised to say, but most of our stuff that is selling is not drone shots anymore, but it's the regular stuff. I'm talking about last time we had baby chickens selling. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Random stock footage. We went to our friends. They had baby chickens, and we just shot two, three, five clips of them. Uploaded. That sold. Or I'm playing on my. I mean, I'm pretending that I'm playing on my phone. Nothing specific. We were just sitting outside on a balcony, and my fiance was like, "Hey, this looks pretty good that you're sitting there and playing on your phone. Should we just try to take that?" And we captured it, and, and that sold like five times. So. So I would say it's always more lucrative to sell something that's not editorial because that can be used for editorial. For those of you who don't know, editorial clips are something that cannot be used for profit. So uh, so commercial license means that you can use it anywhere in a Nike commercial or a, or a news outlet or on Instagram anywhere. Editorial footage cannot be used by big companies uh, for for profit. So you cannot advertise a Nike shoe with with an editorial clip for a Black Lives Matter Black Lives Matter protest, for example, because there are people in it. So you have to have the right to the location, to the people, to the brand, to the logos, to everything, trademarks that's on the clip, visible on the clip. So I would say do not and there is the other side of the line or the coin when people say I'm not shooting editorial content because it doesn't sell. Well that's not true. So editorial content does sell. But uh, uh, commercial footage outweighs editorial by far. Mm-hmm. But it's also, but it also depends on you know the, the the type of the editorial footage. And also, it's very interesting because you sell less editorial, but because of the views the editorial footage gets, I find the editorial uh, footage is uh, getting higher. Uh, price pricing, so you get more money from one editorial sale than than you get from a commercial license. So you might sell less, but in 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 you know pri- in revenue wise, it's maybe one third. I think one third re- editorial, two third commercial for us. Okay, uh, thank you for that. I guess uh, what, what what I'm going to ask you uh, um, next is uh, we have like a. 
five minutes left and uh, yeah. I want to ask you to tell a little bit about your course and uh, what, what's on it and how is it helpful to to filmmakers or, or somebody who's just at the beginning of their journey? Yeah, so the main reason why we created this course is because, again, as we talked in the very beginning, it was just... There was no information and there are other courses on Udemy as well too, I think, but it's it's from 2017 and they just talk about general things that you can already find on YouTube. In my opinion, I'm not pulling their course down. It's probably very good as well, but I, I think what I'm... What our course is different than 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 anybody else's is that it's a step by step guide for real for real. So so we talk about not only how the Shutterstock interface works, but we talk about okay, let's start from zero. What stock footage is used? How you can think with the buyer's mind? How you can start creating ideating about content that the buyers want? How you can start planning the content that the buyers want? How you can execute that uh, shoot with great lighting, with good equipment, with good uh, script, how you can go and edit four stocks. So I go through a, a, in a program showing step-by-step step what I do with my footage because it's different when you edit for stock and when you edit for a commercial project. It's completely different uh, in every every aspect, in my opinion. So, And then we go and we help you literally with everything, explaining an F, what is an FTP, how you can upload through an FTP, how you can find your clips on the, the platform, how to do your, your, how to set up your profile, what text setups you need for taxation if you're in the States, if you're not. Uh, we, set, we help you in the course, we, we touch up on the keywording, description, uh, releases. We have templates uploaded for releases and for scripts. And so it's really, it's really a step, it's a three and a half hours raw material, 57 lessons. And uh, it's really a step-by-step -step guide to get you started. Whether you're a professional filmmaker or just a complete iPhone wizard or beginner, uh, this is definitely worth uh, mm. the investment, um, I think. That's, that, that's great. And I, I see that Dennis is saying, this has been a very interesting live stream and your enthusiasm for the subject really comes across. Thank you. So, yes. Cheers, Dennis. I'm happy you liked it. <laughs> okay, uh, Fefe, it was great to talk to you, and I can and I can see that we could continue for another hour. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's I'm a lot, sure, I'm there's sure. a lot to talk talk about. Well, and one one last thing, what I wanted to say is that we've created a a coupon code for you, as we talked about. Uh, it's Mighty Filmmakers. You just write it in, and you get the course on the lowest price Udemy allows me to give the course. So just <laughs> uh, check it out. Yeah, cool. it was it was a pleasure to talk to you. It's my pleasure, and it's fantastic what you guys are doing and all my filmmakers, and, and it's just great. I'm following you on everywhere, and uh, Thank it's you. amazing. So just keep rocking. It was an absolute pleasure being here. An honor, yeah? Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Have a great day. And you. <laughs>